Have you ever felt pressured to become a physician? Does a high score on the MCAT mean you should pursue what others think you should be? How do you determine the best path for you? And finally, what is the attraction to New Zealand and what's it like to live there? Today on Talking to Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Ryan, a childhood friend of mine and also a microbiologist. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I have a great guest, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Welcome. Um, this is a special treat. Uh, Ryan and I uh, are great friends. We knew each other growing up. And uh, we have some interesting to talk, things to talk about today, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah. We're going to learn all about Ben and how he was as an adolescent and the sort of things that he was obsessed about. Okay. All right. Well, we'll save that to the very end. I'm sure our listeners want to hear that. All right. So um, let's talk in the beginning because, again, we're talking about medical school here. And not many people know this, but you and I took the MCAT together. Yes. 1999. Does that sound about right? That's about right. All right. So one of the first things I remember about taking the MCAT with you is that this is before all the computerized testing. So it's literally a paper-pencil test. Mm-hmm. And we had to go to the University of Utah main campus, I believe OSH, you know, like one of the big... like It was a the, cruddy classroom. Yes. And I remember distinctly, there's about 30, 35 of us, and five or six people were wearing scrubs, which I thought was odd. Do you remember that? How do you feel about, about those people today? That's a poser thing to do. <laughs> to go take the MCAT wearing scrubs. Oh, yeah, I just got off an overnight shift at the ICU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Maybe it was like psychological warfare. They were trying to psych everyone else out taking the test that day. Yeah. I would say don't do that. Okay. So that's a definite do not. And then I also remember, because you're left-handed, and did they have enough left-handed desks? Was that an issue for you? Because I remember that my, something like that happened. You know, in this age of identity politics, I would definitely go back and say that was an issue for me okay at the time i was used to being discriminated against because your left-handedness yeah but now i realize that left-handed people demand and should get the same sort of respect (laughs) that right-handers do and i'm sorry i didn't stand up for myself that day i just had to take that stupid right-handed desk and do my mcat on it and that's probably pretty much why i'm not a doctor today because i had to take a left-handed mcat on a right-handed desk let's talk about that so if i recall correctly you got a much higher score than i did like mid thirties, uh, I did well. I don't think it was much better than yours. Yeah, what you, you did better than me? I remember this. Okay. All right, so like, that's kind of the heart. That's what I want to talk about today. Like, why didn't you decide to go to medical school? What went into your decision with an impressive MCAT score? Uh, well, there's a lot of things. Um, uh, it's a lot of boring things about my own personality and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Part of it was. My mom sort of indoctrinated me growing up that doctors were these amazing gods who could fix anything. Which is all true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And she just, uh, it was, you know, one of her fondest dreams that one of her kids may grow up and have the aptitude to go into science and become a doctor mm-hmm. and be one of these people that, you know, was so looked up to in the community. Even the other day, she was saying, you you get so much status from being a doctor, you know, there's, and, you know, the social capital thing of being a doctor didn't interest me. And I don't think that's actually a great reason to go into medicine. Mm-hmm. And so because I had an aptitude for science and I like science, my mother and my parents sort of thought that meant I should be a doctor. Mm-hmm. 
But as it turns out, the more I looked into it, the more I thought about it, the more I thought of the life you have, the blood, the hours. Um, and actually, a good thing was talking to doctors mm -hmm. and researching how healthcare is. You know, do I want to do this? Um, I realized that this is something that was not going to fit my personality the way I saw it going forward. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I had a lot of anxiety issues. I couldn't see myself handling the stress of medical school well. Um, at the time when I was talking to other doctors, they talked about how much time they had to spend, you know, fighting with insurance companies on getting care for their patients, mm -hmm. um, things like that, paperwork, that's not my strong suit. Um, and I guess part of it was just realizing that being a doctor is such a solemn responsibility that I didn't know if I myself was up for that type of responsibility over another human being. That's mm -hmm. something I have a very strong feeling about is it, having such a responsibility over other people and their lives and making decisions like that. It really isn't for everyone. Um, when you have the passion for that and you really want to help people and you're willing to take on that responsibility, like, great, go for it. Let that energy carry you through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's not all of us. We all don't want that type of responsibility over other people and to deal with people that way. You know, on an id level, you could say, oh, well, maybe I just don't like being with sick people. Maybe I don't like being sick myself. Maybe I hate this, uh, you know, the sight of blood. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I don't like watching those shows on TV about medicine. All those things kind of go into it. And who knows why you do something and why you don't do something. But at the end of the day, I took the MCAT. I was thinking seriously about it. But there was just that part of my brain that said, I don't want to do this. Okay. And then so you walked away from it. That's right. Yeah. And like the whole goal of me like bringing you on, Ryan, is to talk about life turned out OK. And yeah. I, I would argue you're still helping people like in your in your job. So what yeah. do you do now? Um, well, you know, I got married. I moved away. Um, I did some things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, after my wife's school, we moved to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. uh, she'd always wanted to go back there. She'd lived there before. I wanted to live there. Um, I went to work for Merck. Or at the time, was sharing plow. And I did some microbiology work there. I was a microbiologist for Merck. Um, and I helped make vaccines test them, make them, all that sort of stuff. So I worked in healthcare in the end, mm -hmm. just uh, in pharmaceuticals. And I was happy there. I was happy. You know, one good thing about life when you become an adult is all of a sudden you can make your own decisions. And, uh, you know, unlike the path with medical school where I felt like I was being pushed towards it for reasons that it was dignified, there's a lot of social capital with it, it's the right thing to do for... Uh, you know, a young man interested in science. I was like, no, there are other paths. And I just took another path. And I can't say that I regret it. I mean, I look at Dr. Chan and his amazing wife and his his three luxury cars and his corner office here. And I think those are all lies. I don't have luxury cars, but I am married. <laughs> all of that could have been mine. But And I'm proud of Ben. You know, he went through, he did it. Um, and I'm glad that he went down that path. But you know, we all have our own way up Mount Fuji, and mine was just a different way. Yeah. I like how you said that, Ryan. I mean, looking back, you know, I don't hear any regret in your voice or any, you know, what ifs. It sounds like it's you, you're at peace with, like, how everything kind of turned out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm glad I took the MCAT, but it was clarifying. It's like I'm putting in so much work for this. Is this something I really want? 
and it turns out uh, that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And but when you're young, you don't always know what you want and what you don't want. But that was the start of my feeling of you know I am in charge of my own life, and I'm going to do what interests me. And yeah, my mom's never gotten over it though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she's not. She still asks me about that. And your mom still reminds me of the fact that you scored higher on the MCAT than I do. That's how I know your score. So your mom seems to have memorized that. It's like one of the things she knows really well. So Yeah, I mean, it's important to her, and it did deeply disappoint my parents, actually, for many years that I decided not to do that because mm-hmm. they thought, oh, you had good scores. Why don't you just do it? But, um, yeah, I yeah. don't have regrets about it. I mean, that was the fascinating thing about growing up with you, Ryan, because I remember in high school – we had a lot of the same classes in, you know, AP chemistry and uh, biology. I mean, you just did better than me. You were always smarter than me in the sciences. I think my strengths were more in the humanities, and I think that reflected, like, the different degrees we got because I, I majored in psychology. And I think you were biology or chemistry? Biology. Biology, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and I do remember your parents talking about that, uh, about wanting you to become a doctor. So yeah. I was happy. I can remember, I think, we when we studied for the MCAT together, we, like— Shared strategies and flashcards, and you know, this is before cell phones and all that. So, like, you know, we have the actual flashcards. Apparently, now med students have flashcards on their phones. So, did yeah, you, I'm yeah. sure it's all apped out. Yeah, as it should out. be. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's. I mean, and, and like along the themes of healthcare, um, you know, like if you feel comfortable talking about, it, I think you had a visit to our facility the other day. So, I did. I yeah. was in but the emergency let's room. Talk about that. So I'm at home. I I get a text message from you. I think it said – I think – let me pull it up on my phone. Where's my phone? Oh, it's over there. OK. So let me pull it up and it says like, Ben, I think I'm dying. Um, I think I have meningitis. Where should I go? And what did I tell you? Um, I didn't say that I was dying. OK. I said I am going to the hospital for real right now. <laughs> OK. I think I might have meningitis. OK. And I called up uh, Dr. Chan and I said, where should I go? And he said, I really believe that you'll have the best chance of survival and you'll have the best diagnosis when if you go to a teaching hospital. <laughs> I just know you'll you'll have a lot of people checking your labs and checking in on you. And it's like a good. revenue exercise, you know? <laughs> it's like a cold call and it's like, okay, I can steer thousands of dollars my way. I, I'm just, I was just setting you up for this podcast because I, I, I was hoping you had a positive experience. And did you? Obviously, you're alive. Um, you know... At the emergency room, I could not believe the level of professionalism that was there. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just people knew what they were doing, but they had, like, really good customer service. It's almost like being in a nice restaurant. Oh, so how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you have to be in here. Did they bring by the warm blankets? Is there anything I could get for you? This is how you turn the TV on and off. Yeah. And uh, everyone from the person who brought me in to the attending physician to um, the person who walked me to the x-ray machine... All good customer service, all very professional. Mm-hmm. It was a good place. Yeah. And they ruled out meningitis. They did. Okay. Uh, but I did get a chest x-ray and I do have pneumonia. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I, and you're not contagious now, are you? No, totally. Okay. Completely. <laughs> Every br- particle I, of sputum has like 3,000 antibiotic resistant bacteria. I could feel you breathing on me right now. <laughs> cool. All right. So um, you mentioned you moved to New Zealand. Yeah. How long have you lived there? I I have lived in New Zealand 10 years, and I will be going back soon. Okay. So why New Zealand? How would you end up there? Uh, Just lucky. Uh, The woman that I married had been an exchange student there. She'd lived there for a year. Um, Her host family had wanted her to come back. She had an opportunity to do an internship there. uh, She's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And we moved there just to do an internship, uh, but we liked it so much. 
We went through immigration. We submitted papers. We got jobs, and we ended up staying. Mm-hmm. Ten years. Wow. Yep. Um, let's talk about that. So, Lord of the Rings, hobbits and orcs—they're <laughs> all over New Zealand. Because <laughs> I remember when we visited you. We visited you a few years ago. That you knew exactly where they shot certain scenes, and you can describe it. This is like the Holy Land, you know, okay. like where Legolas did this and where Frodo did that. Okay. You know, this is like New Zealand's holy places. So that seems to be like – that really helped boost tourism, I gather. But what else has, does New Zealand have going for it? Sell me on New Zealand. New Zealand, country of four and a half million people. Okay. Um, great government, very responsive. It's parliamentary system. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need something to get to get something done in New Zealand – in the States, everything's total gridlock all the time. In New Zealand, parliament votes on it. If the votes are over 50%. It becomes law. Mm-hmm. Easy as that. It's got a great uh, healthcare system. Uh, it's not quite socialized the way that the NHS is in the UK or in Canada, but it is a public healthcare system. Mm. Uh, we pay co-pays, but for example, my daughter was born prematurely. The only cost that I was billed for was parking. Wow. Everything else was paid for. And that just comes right out of taxes. And it's a great country to visit. Uh, anyone who is there, whether they have insurance or not, if you have an accident in New Zealand, the public system covers you. So if you break your leg bungee jumping in New Zealand, it covers you. If you get run over by an orc or a hobbit, it's covered. Because <laughs> that probably happens a lot. Yeah. If a shark bites you in the groin, it's covered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So like, where, in, where in New Zealand do you live? I live in the capital, Wellington. All right. Uh, sell me on Wellington. Why Wellington? Why not Auckland? Because Auckland seems to get a lot of... Auckland press. is the only big city in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, it's a really nice place. It's very beautiful. But like here in Utah, the average salary buys an average house about three and a half times the average salary. In Auckland, it's over nine times the average salary buys an average house. So it's completely unaffordable real estate. Um, otherwise, great place, beautiful city. Wellington is cool because mm-hmm. not only does real estate cost a lot less, still costs six times the average salary. It's not affordable. But we've got the ocean. We've got mountains. The weather sucks. Mm-hmm. Like the wind blows all the time. It's like every day is like the windiest day in Utah is just a normal day in Wellington. But it's a compact little city on a harbor. There's a big art scene. Um, there's a lot of students there. There's two universities there. Uh, the air is to die for. You can look st- you can look a mile in any direction, and it's crystal clear. Amazing! Wow. So, are you? Gonna, how long? How much longer are you gonna live there? Rest of your life? I don't know. Like any New Zealander, because we became naturalized New Zealanders along with our children. Every New Zealander at some point thinks of going over and living in Australia because oh. you're allowed to work there if you're a New Zealander. So, does New Zealand and Australia have the same relationship that the United States has with Canada or Mexico, or how would you describe the relationship? Um, if the U S also had socialized healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, yes, New Zealand is its little brother, Okay, but, uh, the countries are very, very similar. I know the U S and Canada are very similar, but the governments are really different. Uh, Australia and New Zealand, they're always, uh, tipping over their prime ministers and coups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the party leadership just tips out their prime minister if they don't like them. That doesn't happen in New Zealand, but otherwise Australia and New Zealand are, virtually the same country in the way they operate and sort of the culture. I mean, if any Australians are listening, they'll say, no, we're not, mate. (laughs) Completely different. Those Kiwis are crazy. (laughs) 
They say fush, fush and chips. We say fish and cheeps. Yeah, big differences. Yeah, you've really hit your New Zealand accent really well. So can you turn it on for us, all the listeners? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm a Kiwi. Um, and rugby? Let's talk about the All Blacks. Why are they called the All Blacks? What's going on with the... That's like 100 years old. Okay. I think all they had was black as a uniform 100 years ago, and mm-hmm. so they went out and did a test against England, and they're called the All Blacks. That's the national rugby team. That's yeah. the national sport down there, right? Rugby is definitely the national sport. More than soccer or anything else, or football. Yeah, like soccer football. is scarcely more popular in New Zealand than it is here. Okay. Cricket in the summer, mm-hmm. rugby in the winter. The All Blacks are absolutely the world champions. They won the last two Rugby World Cups. Absolutely dominant. Mm-hmm. Beautiful to watch them. Um, and do they all have chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE? Yeah, let's bring it back to healthcare. They might. Yeah. They might. <laughs> We're kind of in denial in New Zealand the way that the NFL is in denial. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Good way to look at it. Well, I mean, Ryan, it sounds like you've had, a, like, again, like the purpose of the podcast. You know, a lot of people are applying to medical school. Uh, unfortunately, it's so competitive. Not everyone gets in. And I just think there are different paths out there. So I just wanted to kind of bring you on and just kind of talk about that because – um, there's different ways to help people. There's different ways to find happiness in this life. There is. You know, you grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a fireman. You know, there's not that many jobs that you know of that you see in your friends and family. There are so many jobs out there in not just the United States and all over the world. There's so many things you can be. It doesn't just have to be the one thing that you know about when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people are extremely happy doing all sorts of things. And like the last thing I want to talk about, the last few minutes we have. I want to talk about traveling because this is something that you and your family have a passion for. Yes. Like, so what kind of places have you gone to? Where have you visited? Well, in New Zealand, you have to travel four hours in any direction to go anywhere, okay. right? And so New Zealanders like to go different places than Americans do. Like uh, you can holiday in Vanuatu, mm-hmm. you know, six hours away. Fiji's four hours away. One of the favorite places I've ever been is Indonesia. I went to Sumatra and Java and Bali and Lombok a year ago. Mm. Beautiful country. I know it's got like 150 million people, but when you're there, everybody's very polite. Beautiful beaches, beautiful coral, um, nice food. Uh, I loved Indonesia. Mm-hmm. I love French Polynesia. There's only like three ways you can get to L.A. from New Zealand, and one way is through French Polynesia. Another way is through Hawaii. Love Tahiti. It's a beautiful place. But I think you've been to China, haven't you? Yeah, I've okay. been to southern China let's and Hong about, Kong. Okay, let's talk about that. Like, like of all these places, like, like, what was your experience in China? China was awesome. It was sort of the, after the SARS epidemic, and mm-hmm. so at the borders, they'd always scan you for your temperature, and if you had a high temperature, they would execute you right then. No, no, of <laughs> course not. But you, Ryan, don't be spreading anti-Chinese propaganda. Like, the, <laughs> like we don't need that right now. Yeah. <laughs> China is a beautiful, wonderful country and has a incredible leadership. That's what I'll say. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, we went of- hiking through China. Okay. We went into Yunnan, China, which is southwest China. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife, who we went hiking there. Uh, my wife did an uh, internship on law in China, mm-hmm. in Shanghai, such as law exists in China. Yes. And uh, we ate some great food, had some great experiences, and at the end, we were both so sick of food poisoning that... I took like three weeks to get over that. Did you eat food from like street vendors or just – if you, you were so into the middle of China, like there was – that was all – I mean – You just took what you could get. Okay. I do remember a little child uh, getting a piece of bread and spreading pure chili paste on top of that bread as thick as uh, an American child would spread peanut butter. 
and then just eating it. Like those kids are badass. <laughs> you never told me that story before. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you do that? I that tasted that sick? chili powder and it was really hot. I mean, I know I'm just a gringo, right? But I know hot versus hot, hot. This kid was eating pure chili paste. Wow. That's something to aspire to. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ryan, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your story. And we'll have to have you come back because I think you're going to start doing this uh, New Zealand, Utah migration. You're just going to come back and forth from the two countries. I'd like to have an endless summer. Summer in New Zealand, down, down under, summer in Utah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.